0: It's couches and porches and kitchen tables. It's stories shared and moments worth remembering. It's hoping and praying and taking chances. It's jokes and laughter and shoulders to cry on. It's questions and answers and I don't knows. It's knowing you don't have to figure it all out by yourself. It's messy and imperfect. It's giving and serving and growing better together. It's life and we weren't meant to do it alone. Life is better together. Find a life group that's right for you today.
1: Well, good morning. Good morning. Great to see you this morning and uh, always a privilege to be with you as we gather to worship on this beautiful day. Um, and I just want to mention again, thank you to the youth and the band this morning. Let's give God praise for them today. huh? what a great job. We praise God for you guys. Thank you so very much. Well, we're uh, wrapping up this little series called Connectivity, and it's about being connected. Pardon me. And one of the things I know about connectivity is when you think about connectivity, everybody wants to be connected, right? Uh, You go somewhere and you don't have uh, Wi-Fi on or you don't have the right signal, then you get frustrated because it doesn't work like you want it to work. And uh, that's what I call a first world problem, right? Uh, That's uh, something that we struggle with. we, uh, when we were on vacation this summer up, up in New Mexico, a, a really amazing thing happened. And it was, it was, in my mind, the two weeks we were gone, it was the best day of the two weeks. And what happened on that day was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, the power went out. And we were there with my dad and mom, Jean, and our youngest son, Nathan, and his wife, Jessalyn, and their little girl, Ariella, who is, by the way, the most beautiful granddaughter in all the world. Let the church say Amen. Some of you are going, no, I don't think so, Frank, yeah, I don't think so, right? <laughs> well, anyway, uh, so there we were. Power goes out about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and we're like, okay, it'll come on a little while. Well, it didn't come on, and it didn't come on, and it didn't come on. It was out, actually, for 11 hours. And so that afternoon, you know, you understand what happened. Without the power, we couldn't do anything with our phones. We could, there was no Internet connectivity. There was no uh, Wi-Fi, and the Wi-Fi was off in the house. And the cell tower, apparently, by us lost power, too, because there, was no, there were no signals anywhere. Um, so you had your battery life, but you could watch whatever you had on your phone, right? But, but uh, you get the idea. No TV, no Internet. You couldn't put a DVD in, because we have some DVDs. We could watch a movie on a DVD. None of that could happen. So what we, what we did, what we were forced to do was something that we all needed to do, and that was actually have conversation with one another. How many times in your home... Have you looked around and seen everybody on the phone? Right. Nobody's talking to each other. You go out to dinner. People are sitting around a table at the dinner and everybody's looking at their phones. They're not talking to each other, not engaging with each other. And at our house on that day, we had lots of engagement. We played a bunch of games. Uh, We sat outside. We talked when it started getting dark. We're like, well, just let's turn some lights on. And oh, by the way, the lights don't work. So we got candles out and we're getting oil lamps out. And we reached in the freezer quick and grabbed some hamburgers out because we have a gas grill outside. Let's praise the Lord for gas grills because we could able, We had hamburgers that night. And they were maybe some of the best hamburgers I've ever had in my entire life uh, was that those that we had that day. But I think it had to do, a lot to do with the sweetness of the fellowship in, in a family. Because one of the things that we talked about in our family when we go on vacation is, hey, we got to set boundaries on using the phones because we've recognized and realized that sometimes when we get together, we're not really talking to each other at all because we're looking at these things that are so enthralling to us. And it's a little microcosm to me of, of the way God intends for us to live. God intends for us to live in community. And we have our families that are homemade, uh, ready-made kind of communities are intended that way. But we also have a larger family. And as Christ followers, we have a family of brothers and sisters that we call the church. And as I said last week, when I talked to you about uh, the, the power of what God did in the church, in the very early years of the church, when you get to 100, the year 100, there's maybe 25,000 Christians. And then 200 years later, there's, there's uh, uh, almost 20 million Christians by that time, when uh, Constantine finally uh, became emperor and made Christianity the religion of the empire, it, Christianity began to explode. And then you fast forward uh, through time and you get to 1776 when the Declaration of Independence was written. And we know because of historians that about 2% of America was Methodist at that time because of this little movement that started over in England. But in in 1776, 2% of America was, was calling themselves Methodist Christians. But by 1850, a little bit more than 100 years later, historians tell us that in the US, 34% of Americans were Methodist at that time. Can you imagine that? And it was all because the church in the Methodist Church and the early church decided they were going to be doing life together around the person of Jesus Christ. Doing life together around the person of Jesus Christ. Now fast forward a little bit further, get to 1949, Mao Zedong uh, becomes ruler of China, and he establishes this People's Republic of China, and as a result of that, he goes on this, uh, this, this rampage against all religion, including Christianity. He uh, <clears throat> has a lot of pastors killed, closes all the churches, takes all the buildings from the church. Uh, there is chaos that goes on in China for several decades because uh, all religions had to go underground. And 30 years later, well, almost 30 years later, Mao Zedong dies in 1976. And a couple of years after that, uh, missionaries begin to go back into China to find out what's going on in China with the Christian uh, faith, uh, because they're expecting to find Christianity decimated. There's hardly any Christianity left after this, this uh, great persecution that Mao Zedong did against Christianity. And what they found out when they got in there, when they got back into China was, no, not only had Christianity not died, but it had flourished underground. They estimate, in fact, David Aikman, no relation to Troy Aikman, but David Aikman, who was the time correspondent in Beijing at that time, he wrote a book about the history of China while he was covering China from Beijing. And what he says in the book, because he studied it, was that in 1949, there were two million uh, Christians in China. But by 1982 or 83, there were 80 million Christians in China. China uh, had seen Christianity grow by two, almost two and a half million Christians a year for 30 years. Imagine that. They didn't have any buildings. They didn't have any budgets. They didn't have all the trappings that we have today in the church, and yet the church expanded and flourished. And why is it? Why did it happen? Why did this go on? It's the same model that we find in the early church and in the early life of the Methodist Church. The things that happened in China were people got together and they did life together around the person of Jesus Christ. It is a powerful witness to us today about the importance of doing life together. And the Bible gives us this wonderful little passage in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Let me read it to you. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Let the church say amen. Now, I've read that passage many times and, and Part of why I've read it many times is that it is the, the biblical prescription for how we're supposed to be doing church. The biblical prescription is you don't do church just on Sunday mornings. You do church. You live your life as a Christian every single day. And that means not just worshiping on Sundays, but getting together with other people to do life together. And that's really what, been what this little series is about. And I've invited some very special guests to join me this morning to talk about about what we call them here at Lighthouse. They are life groups, and they're groups intended to do life together. So I want to invite you to say hello to these folks up here. Say, everybody say hi. Hi. And uh, would you guys introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about yourselves, if you would, please, as I
0: begin? All right. Uh, My name is Jason Moore. I'm one of the many Jasons here at Lighthouse. As we all well know, um, there's quite a few of us going around. Um, I also work for uh, Capstone Calibration. I've been there for about three months, um, and I've been at Lighthouse for almost two years.
1: Fantastic, all right.
0: Okay, Marjorie, tell us about yourself.
2: I'm Marjorie Miller, Um, I am a nurse. I currently uh, serve as faculty for a nursing program, and um, we've been here, I don't know, four or five years now.
1: All right, fantastic.
2: Hi, I'm Gigi. Gigi. I work here at Lighthouse. <laughs>
3: um, I'm the executive assistant to the pastors.
1: Pray for her. Yes. Pray for her, right? Yeah.
3: <laughs> and um, director of First Impressions. And so all of these lovely people out um, in the lobby who are smiling at you and greeting you and welcome, welcoming you and making you great coffee, that's part of First Impressions.
1: Amen. 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 So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what what made you decide to get in a group in the first place. What... what um, you, you've been in groups. What, what, what were some of the things that went through your head about getting into a group in the first place? Anybody?
2: Uh, well, my, my husband Barry and I were looking for a way to get plugged in at church. Um, at that time, I think it was several years ago. We were doing the Marriage Project. That was a kickoff. That was a fall um, kickoff yes. series we did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so um, I was reluctant because I'm very introverted and not uh, not very outgoing, and I. I was a little scared, I guess. Um, But we decided to join that initiative and uh, started in a group. And then that became our life group. And we continued on for quite some time. It was an amazing group. um, But we have since kind of stopped meeting. So it's been probably over a year since um, we've been together. Um, But it was an absolute blessing, I think, that time. So um, Barry and I have been talking for a long while about um, being in a group and how we miss that. And so we are starting our own group, starting today.
1: All right. (laughs) Starting today. Just happens to be starting today. Fantastic. We are
2: meetings this afternoon, yeah.
1: Part of what I love uh, about Marjorie's story is that she uh, speaks about being an introvert. And there's probably not another introvert in the room here today, right, or not watching at home. There are plenty of introverts around. And one of the scary things about getting into a group is the unknown and that kind of stuff. Uh, and I just want to say thank you for sharing that, and and just to acknowledge, folks, look, you know, people are people. Everybody's got their own stuff, and uh, coming into a group means uh, stepping out in faith that this is going to be an okay kind of thing. Uh, what about some of the rest of you? How about uh, what, what was some? What would you? How would you respond to that question about what made you decide to get in in the first place?
0: Well, we were new to the area. We had been kind of floundering around for about a year and a half of where we were going to go to church and all this, finally found Lighthouse. Long story short, we were looking to reach out and meet some folks. And that's kind of where it leads into one thing is, you know, you sit in a group of, you know, 30 people in church every Sunday morning, and you don't really get to meet that deeper connection to people. So we decided to join group. And, you know, the groups are made up of sometimes four to 10 people um, and you can just make that deeper connection.
1: Awesome. So you guys were looking for something deeper and that, that became a vehicle to do that. Absolutely. All right. Gigi, how about you?
3: Um, well, initially, um, before the group I have now, I was in another group and I really uh, had never been in a group before. I was curious about it, but I really just felt called to do it. Um, There was just something that I just kept feeling like I wanted to be a part of a group. You know, we talked a lot about groups, um, didn't know a lot about it, but really wanted to be in in a place where other Christians were and to kind of to learn and to find out what it was all about. And I was in an amazing group for uh, several years and then, like uh, Marjorie said, we did um, a, a church initiative here, Explore God. And I thought, well, I could, I could do that. I can facilitate that. that. That can't be too hard to do. Okay. And from that, um, the group that we had there, we continued on and, and formed a, a new life group. And that's what we've been doing ever since.
1: Awesome, awesome, awesome. Great, great stuff. So tell us about what your uh, life group experience has meant to you. Uh, share, share with us a little bit about that.
0: So, I like I said, I've been going here for about two years. I've been involved with a life group about the same amount of time. And I've been struggling um, with my jobs here and there. I've been, you know, involved in retail and all that. And I'm not a big share of my life with people kind of person. Like, I just, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I don't like to share my personal stuff with people because I don't want to burden other people with my burdens. And we were all out at dinner one night, and I felt compelled uh, by the Lord to share my work experiences that were going on at that time. And Jason, this was,
1: you, when you say you went out to dinner, you went out to dinner with your life group. Right. right? Went, okay. Sorry, went out to dinner yeah. with my life group. I just group. want to make sure for everybody's clarity. Yeah, I yeah. went out
0: to dinner with my life group, and I felt compelled to share my experience one night. And that constitutely led to me getting another job through our life group.
1: So, so uh, Megan was at the last service and she shared a little bit about that. Can you give us a little more detail? It's interesting.
0: So as many of you know, I don't know how many of y'all know Kat, but she's part of, she's one of, she's part of one of our life groups um, that we go to on Tuesdays. Um, and this is more of like a social group on Tuesdays that we go to. Uh, you know, we just talk about life and we we love on each other and, and things of that nature. And uh, Kat is... By chance, knew somebody offhandedly in uh, through life that she's like, well, I've got a person that I know that's hiring, that I that you know, let me reach out to him and see what I can do. And consequently, she reached out to him that night. And by the time we got home, about nine o'clock, I had a call back from this guy, and he said, "Hey, I understand that you want a job." I said, "Yes, sir, I do." And he goes, "Oh, cool." And he started going into details about the job and this and that. And the next thing I know, in two weeks, I'm, I'm basically going to work for these guys.
1: So the moral of the story is if you want a job, join Life Group, <laughs> yeah. all right? Good motivation there. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks for letting me push you a little bit about that. Um, so when does, uh, when does your group meet and what are you, what are you studying?
0: So our group, the uh, one that we just started back this past summer, we meet on Wednesday nights. I'm involved in two other groups, which one meets on Monday, one meets on Tuesday. Um, so I'm involved in about three groups. Uh, the one that we're doing is the Road to Jamal on Mondays. That's the one that we're doing on Monday nights. Uh, as I told you all, Tuesday, we don't really do any study. We just kind of share life together. And then Wednesday, we're kind of trying, we're tossing up some ideas. We're actually going out to lunch with some of the church leadership to talk about some of the ideas that we got going on. Uh, looking to possibly start like a marriage series
1: fantastic Uh, yeah either one of you ladies go ahead
2: um so our plan is to meet on sunday afternoons um probably every other week um, and we'll be meeting in azel um we don't currently have a study plan because we're just starting so we're gonna i think our plan is to really get to know each other and um and just kind of talk through things and and see where that leads us
1: all right, so you're going to let your group get started and then kind of f- see how things feel and go, go from there as far as. Right. Right, awesome. Very nice. Uh,
3: we meet every other Wednesday here at the church, and we uh, just started a study called The Struggle is Real.
1: The struggle is real. It is. And nobody here can relate to that, no. right? Yeah, the struggle. Everybody Life can, can be to a that. struggle for sure.
3: Absolutely.
1: And you guys, part of the reason you guys meet here at the church is because you, child care is available, so. That makes it easier for you guys, huh?
3: Yes. Well, yes. Kind of, yes. So childcare is available. Um, you know, I've got grandkids that, that go and a, another couple has kids. And then um, several, a couple of us in the group have uh, youth that come on Wednesday night. So.
1: All right. Yep. Awesome. So wh- what, uh, what would you say to the person that's sitting out there or watching at home? What would you say to them about why should I get into a life group?
2: Well, for someone like me that's introverted and can't meet people, it's a great way to meet people and get to know somebody. Um, but I think, really, for me, it was a huge blessing to know that I had this group, this safe space where I could um, do my life, share my problems, and know that they would be there to support me, um, me and Barry. But you know, to have a prayer group, to have somebody that you know is there that you can call upon or that you could be there for as well is a a huge blessing. And I think from that first group, I mean, we have so many close friends now in church. And um, I mean, I couldn't say anything negative about being in that group. It was an amazing time. So if you're looking to meet people or you're looking for that deeper connection, it's a great way to get started.
1: Awesome.
0: I also think it also goes back to accountability. We hold each other accountable you know, in a smaller group, a smaller group settings. You know, if you get off track during the week, sometimes we need that little jolt to get us back in line, right? I think that also is a big part of group, is it's that little, I got off track this week, it got me back on track, it helped realign my focus.
1: All right, so uh, you start drifting away or something happens, you starts pulling you away from what you're supposed to be doing and the group provides a safe place to kind of help keep your life directed. Very, very great insight. How about you, Gigi? What would you add?
3: Oh, gosh. Um, I think, you know, with our group, I feel like we're more than just a group. We're more than just friends. We're family. And, um, you know, we have – we laugh together. We cry together. We work through our problems together. And, um, you know, I I always say when when people ask me about a group, our group isn't for everyone because we – are very real with each other, and we deal with our stuff, and, you know, it's, it's a, like we've heard here, it's a very safe place to do that, and I know that, um, you know, at any time, I could call at anyone in the group, and they would be there for me. Isn't that great? Absolutely. It's wonderful.
1: Uh, you know, and I think that, I said this at the last service, one of the fallacies, I think, one of the great challenges that the church has, the church big C of today, is that... For the last 100 years, let's say, um, the church has been plagued by uh, this philosophical stance that says that the pastor is the only person that can actually do anything in the life of the church. And, 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 and we could go in a lot of detail about that, but let me just say it this way to say that what, what that has done to the church is it's wrecked the church because the church got away from thinking that the church was supposed to be the body of Christ. The priesthood of all believers. Remember when uh, Martin Luther went to the Wittenberg Church, uh, uh, Wittenberg Church, and and typed his or beat his ninety-five theses on the wall of the door of the church that began the Reformation. Part of that had to do with his uh, pushback against the Catholic Church to say, "Look, the church is for all people, and we have this priesthood of all believers." Uh, and And too often the church has looked at leaders in the life of the church said, well, I'm not qualified to do that because we have this person doing that. But that's one of the biggest fallacies of the church. The church is the people and the people have got to be engaged in the life of Christ. And for my money, from my position, from where I sit, when you look at the biblical model, it's very clear. Life should be done with other Christians in an opportunity to share. Uh, It's part of the of what's important as the church goes forward and when you look at the church today and the state of the church today you can see a lot of places it's really wrecked because of this philosophical position of saying well you know i can't do anything because we've got these educated people or these people that are in leadership or in authority over church and so it abdicates responsibility for individuals and life groups are part of what helps people get back and connected to the way that they're supposed to be so um Jason, you're, get, you're just starting a new group, and Marjorie, you guys are starting a new group today. What, what are some of the fears that you have about, about starting a group? What are some of the challenges that you feel like you face in that? Marjorie's going to go first.
2: I have a lot of fears. <laughs> um, no, but I think part of, um, part of my struggle is time. I mean, we have two boys. We have a lot of activities, and sometimes it's hard um, if you're not... Intentional about time to to be able to set aside that time, um, but you know Barry and I have come to a point where we've realized that we really miss that connection, and it's it, it is intentional. So we're going to make the time to do that. Um, I say we're leading a group. Really, I don't consider us leaders because I think that's another fear of you know um, how to lead, <laughs> how to lead a you know a study study group or a, a Bible kind of um, study. But um, but we know that uh, in prayer that, it's, you know, he will, he will find a way for us to get through that. So um, we'll see how it goes. I'm excited.
1: Amen. Gigi, you, you guys, you know, t- talk a little bit about your transition from the group you had before and to this group that you've got now. And, and, and share, you shared the last service about the story about one individual in your group and that what that happened to her. And can, can you talk about that a little bit?
3: Um, sure. You know, we, um, like I said, we, we started with Explore God, and then we just started meeting, and we had um, uh, one of the couples in our group brought a friend one day, Kim, and uh, Kim was a very unusual person. Kim was a little different than our normal lighthouse person. Uh, she was, I would say, a very unchurched person, and um, you know, would kind of say things, inappropriate things during, <laughs> sorry, one of my group members is laughing at me out there. Because um, they knows, know what you're speaking what about, right? About. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, she would just say inappropriate things. She had never been in this kind of a, an environment before, and, um, you know, she would say things that wouldn't have anything to do with what we were talking about, and, you know it's just one of those things where you just have to kind of say, okay God, this every person matters and so we just we got through every week and but the more we we went uh, the longer she was there, the more she became engaged and connected and just begin to see a real difference in with, with her and you know after a time she she had just as much input as as everybody else, and was really one of one of one of us in the group. Uh, the thing about Kim was that she had uh, stage four cancer, and she was diagnosed when she when she was diagnosed with cancer. It was she was diagnosed with stage four cancer, and along the way, we made a lot of um, accommodations for Kim. And Kim never talked about her her illness. That she would never want that to be um, deter anything that we were doing in group. And so um, Kim passed about two years ago, and that was really tough for our group, very tough. But, you know, to see somebody who was very unchurched, who really came to know the Lord and love the Lord, and to know that, you know, today she is celebrating in heaven is just, it's a very joyous thing, I think, for all of us. But it really changed the dynamics of our group in a very good way. Um it made us uh really bond even closer and and really just go deeper in our group, I think. There's there's really no topic that's off limits and you know, we talk about the accountability, we definitely, you know, hold each other accountable and um and really just just love on each other. So small thing like that just changed all of us.
1: And I and I hope that you heard in that 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 it was, the, it was the result of your group's experience with her that led her to a relationship with Christ. Yes. Uh, and yes. and, and what, a, what a glorious thing. Uh, that's really what, it, that's, I mean, that's part of what a life group should be about, that kind of thing. So what other wisdom would you share with us today about any other thoughts you have about getting in a life group, why you should get in a life group? Any other last thoughts before we move on?
0: So I was like one of y'all at one point in time. I used to, you know, I used to do this thing called church hopping go into big churches and they talk about these life groups. And I was like, I, why should I have to go to church and go into these small groups and be a part of this? But guys, I want you to understand something that there's something deeper there that you don't understand until you're involved. And it's it's awesome. I was one of y'all at one point in time. I would sit out there and, and, and say life group. I should be able to know the church members without going to life group. But guys, it's it has, it's opened up my eyes and it's, it's so much deeper.
1: Awesome. Have Marjorie, anything else? I'm not trying to push you, but you may not have anything. It's okay to say no.
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just do it. Don't be scared. You know, don't be apprehensive. Um, don't feel like you're stuck in that life group forever. It's not a life commitment. It's just um, to get started and get to know people,
1: connect awesome. with people. Awesome. Gigi, any last thoughts?
2: Yeah,
3: you know you, you you don't, you know, you don't have to have a lot of Bible knowledge to be in a small group or in a life group, like life group. Or we
1: would say you don't have to have any Bible knowledge. You don't have to have right? any Bible knowledge. Yeah.
3: My gosh, we have a whole group full of people that don't. <laughs> so we're okay.
1: You guys survive?
3: <laughs> we survive. Yes. We survive. But, you know, I would say too that if you have that, you know, if you have that little thing inside of you, like Frank likes to talk about a lot, you know, um that that's making you think, Hmm, maybe I could do this. Everybody in this room can do this. You can, you can join a group and, um, you know, you just gotta be open to it and let the Holy Spirit just fill you. And you will be so blessed by joining a group.
1: Amen. Amen. And amen. You know, uh, we, we have a guru around here over our life groups. His name is Dan Morris, Pastor Dan. Uh, and, um, I know that one of the things that Dan is aware of is that uh, we are in the process of always forming new groups and we need more group leaders. And uh, it's not a a difficult thing to lead a group because you're really just facilitating. Dan can provide you with lots of material and instruction about uh, how to do it and what to do and those kinds of things. If you feel led to become a part of a group or maybe even to zip your toe in the water of maybe facilitating a group, Talk to Dan. Uh, um, also, today, I was told after the first service that uh, today you're going to get an email uh, from the church that's going to be all about, about how I can get, how you can get connected with a life group. So that email will be coming to you because we hope that some of you are thinking, yeah, I need to get into a life group. And, and let me just end by, by saying again uh, that, that when you look at the history of the church, the renewal movements that happened in the history of the church over the last 2000 years, all of them, without exception, because we can go to a lot of places and look at a lot of different examples. Without exception, those renewal movements started, of course, with the power of God, people loving on Jesus and, and wanting to do life together. And as a result of that, amazing things began to happen and transform. You think about because sometimes you may think as you, when you leave here on Sundays, you may think about, wow, Frank was really railing on society again today. And, and it's, it's one of his hot buttons is what's going on in our society today. But I don't I, I don't think you can't be alive today and, and not be concerned about what's going on around us in this society that we live in. I, I just don't think you can not be concerned about that. And, and if you want to do something about that, the way to do something about that is to get into a life group. It, it, it's not trite. It's not just because we're talking life groups today, friends. The the world has been transformed by Jesus Christ for 2,000 2000 years. And over those 2,000 years, that transformation happened because people like these, and many of you as well, have jumped into a life group, learned to do life together, and as a result, they became better influencers in their businesses, in their world. That's the way we're going to change this society, is by the influence that you will have in the world that is around you. So please, prayerfully consider jumping into a life group. Talk to any one of these folks, or there's plenty of others around here that are in life groups already. We'd love for you to get connected to a life group because it will be life-changing, not just for you, but for all of your world. And thank you guys for coming up and doing this a second time. And remember, we're going to do it one more time today, okay? (laughs) Hey, would you express appreciation to God for these three (laughs) who have come up today? Let's, uh, let's bow for a word of prayer. Would you bow with me, please? God, well, how grateful we are for uh, the opportunity to think about the power of life groups, about how they can really change an individual. Lord, we need changing. We need our lives to continue to be molded by You, and we thank You for the opportunity that life groups give us to do those kinds of things. Lord, we pray that You would bless us to be in community with one another, the life groups that you've given to us at, at Lighthouse. We pray in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen and amen.